You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. You've got two hours of us today, Thursday, March 31st. Jacob Goins, Noah Gardner, right here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open all day long. Give us a call with anything on your mind going on in the sporting world. We want to hear from you, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. To start today's show, if you are not with us on Tuesday, Noah Gardner, the man, the myth, the legend, the creator of this wonderful show on the line, made an announcement at the end of the show. So Noah, for the for the listeners that were not here on Tuesday, didn't catch it in the podcast, search on the line wherever you get your podcast. If they missed it, either live or on the podcast, remind everybody your announcement on Tuesday and how today is a significant day in the history of this program. That's right. Today is the last show for me here on uh, on the line. Today is that's funny. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> you switched up your mics on me. <laughs> I think I did. That hey, there's a first for everything. I will say this: today is the last show for me here on this program and at Auburn Network. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into everything yet, but I'll just say that um, I'm going to be a teacher. I'm extremely blessed for the opportunity that I'm going into. I've been extremely blessed to be here and to be with all of you. Um, and I'll make sure to sell my goodbyes before the show's over and everything. I don't want to bog down this segment or anything, but um, I'm extremely blessed for all the time that I've spent here. Today's the last day on the show for me, and I'm, I'm going to be a teacher, and I'm, you know, I'm just so thrilled and excited to be able to you know, serve the youth, serve God, and um, be able to impact kids' lives and see them grow and whatnot. I'm, I'm just really pumped, and you know, I, I can't begin to express gratitude and thanks um, to so many people. Uh, most importantly to God for for me to be on the show and I'm just looking looking forward to this one last ride it's been an emotional day I'm I'm trying to keep it together uh, coming into the show I'm good now but I was trying to keep it together coming into the show well that's understandable (laughs) man this is your this is your baby right this is yours you created this back in 2020 and I am extremely thankful to be continuing on and being the new host of on the line so for folks listening the show's not going anywhere Noah is Noah is taking a new path in life, but the show will still remain. I'm your man. I will be the host. I will be on here every day, Monday through Friday, 2 to 4, as we are every day, right here on ESPN 106.7. So make sure you continue to tune in. Obviously, if you want to call in and talk to Noah and say whatever, if you want to call in like you normally do and just give us what's on your mind, we want to hear from you. Phone lines are open all day long, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. The good thing about it is we've got two hours, my friend. That's right. we got two hours. So let's make it something. Let's make it special. And we've got a lot of stuff going on. And you know what? You know what I did last night, Noah? As I was studying for a test that I have tomorrow, you know what I had on the TV? 
I had the USA soccer game. I did. I Bad put it on to my watch, TV. Man. Bad one to watch. They lost and then they, they did celebrated. Lose. They did lose. <laughs> Only in soccer can you lose and then I celebrate. Know. I know. It's unbelievable. They lost 2 nothing to Costa Rica, but they did not lose by six or more, so they qualified for the World Cup. I understand the historical significance of it. I understand how big it is, so I did. I did want to tell you that. I haven't told you that yet, but I did want to tell you. Not that I was like super paying attention or into it because I was trying to study for a big test I have tomorrow, but I did have it on in the background, to say the least. Let's head to the phone lines, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Shane, welcome back. Hey, guys. How's it going? Hey, no, I just want to say congrats on your new your new path, dude. I uh, hope it I hope it's everything that you're, you've been you've been wanting. And I have enjoyed uh, listening to you these past couple of years, and uh, and your your take on everything. And you uh, you'll be missed on the airways, buddy. I just wanted. I appreciate that, Shane. That means a lot. And I've always really enjoyed talking to you, and I've enjoyed our calls. Even when we've gone back and forth, man, I've enjoyed every bit of it. I I really appreciate those kind words. That's a vibe, man. That's a vibe, buddy. You have a good one. You too, man. That was Shane here on the line. Anybody else wants to call in about Noah and his last day or anything else going on in the sporting world, we want to hear from you again. The number 334-321-1390. At 2.30, we're going to have – an LSU B writer name is Leah Van. She will be talking to us about LSU baseball, previewing Auburn baseball's trip down to Baton Rouge this weekend. They get underway tonight at LSU for a three-game series, so stick around for that. She will be a new guest on the show, but she's from LSU. She's a writer down there, so we will have her on to preview the LSU baseball Tigers and preview baseball. the baseball and she'll preview the series this weekend between lsu and auburn and the alabama realm and i just still have to get a couple of jabs in there before i get out this is all in good fun in the alabama realm it's football (laughs) football (laughs) (laughs) absolutely absolutely well there there's no major news today but Treore, the five-star center from LSU, he is committing today. Is that correct? He I is announcing today. And because I've, I've been seeing on is Twitter. Auburn? We'll find out. I've been seeing on Twitter people say it's a good day to sign a five-star center out of the transfer portal. So he is supposed to announce today. He might not. You know how those things go. Sometimes they get pushed back depending on, you know, whatever. But he is supposed to be announcing where he wants to play today. Of course, Treore is a five-star center. He decommitted from LSU after everything that went down there with their basketball program the the news and the reports have been that he has really liked his visits at Auburn he has really enjoyed it here and is very interested in Auburn so Auburn has been recruiting him pretty heavily since he hit the transfer portal and he is supposed to be making his announcement today as of right now I haven't seen anything so I will try to keep everybody updated we'll try to keep you updated as as the show goes on but he is supposed to be committing today to a school, and if Auburn picks him up, it'd be a big addition. First domino that could fall in Bruce Pearl's reloading of the Auburn basketball program for next season. Of course, we talked with Christian Clemente earlier this week on Tuesday, actually, and he said that he didn't think Walker Kessler's decision had anything to do with what Treore would opt to do in his commitment which is a good sign for Auburn because from what you hear, Walker Kessler's on the fence, 50-50, that there's no lean either way. At least earlier this week, that was the talk. And, of course, it still seems likely in my mind that he'll go to the NBA. But assuming 
that he returns. Say that he returns, and you also have Trey Ori coming back. Auburn, once again, has one of the best front courts. I don't know if I'd go so far as to say in all of the land. I don't know if I'd say they have one of the best front courts in the entire NCAA. Um, but I definitely think at the center position, that is one of the best center positions in all of college basketball. Um, and, and one of the and definitely one of the best front courts in the SEC going into it. But I don't know if I'd say that they're quite at the level that they're at this year because they had Jabari Smith, you know, and I, you just got to see how everything else shakes out across college basketball. But this is the first domino that could fall for Auburn to help them reload. Got to bring in a small forward, I think. Got to bring in a wing. We talked sure. about that a lot, and it's true. 100%. And by wing, I mean a, a three. They, they need to go and get a small forward, not necessarily a shooting guard. I think the backcourt, the, the point guard and the shooting guard positions are – pretty solidly locked in where they're at but Bruce Pearl's system is basically the one by itself that that is its own position the two and the three pretty much do the same thing out on the wing and then the four and the five do similar things and so um you know that's you're looking for a guy that can stretch the floor can shoot the ball a little bit that's the next step but it's early the the transfer portal has only just begun I think to the Carpenter song, it's only just begun. <laughs> well, the transfer we, portal, we you know, we've talked about it so much and how just how much different and how impactful it is, especially for basketball teams with only having, you know, a very limited amount of players on the roster. Something that, that has popped into my mind about Traore, if he does end up committing and coming to Auburn from the transfer portal, and with Walker Kessler still being 50-50, is there any chance that if Traore comes to Auburn, that Walker Kessler would stay as well? Or do you think if he comes, Walker would be gone? Because I just don't see how they would fit together on the floor at the same time. To be fair, the center position probably logs the least amount of minutes on a basketball team in general. So you could maybe split time between those two guys. But, but is Traore coming here to be a bench guy? Coming off the bench at least? I don't know. I think you could get... I mean, he could definitely play the four too, I think. He's that athletic. I, I mean, it's not exactly his primary position but I do think that he can play the four especially with his ability to shoot the three might be able to stretch the floor a little bit kind of like how Anthony McLemore did I mean Anthony McLemore and Austin Wiley found a way to coexist Um, it would probably be a similar type of relationship but that's a lower no offense to McLemore and Austin Wiley looking back at their Auburn career it's okay to speculate that that's of a lower caliber of talent than Traore and Walker Kessler what it may encourage that's right it may encourage you're right if Traore does commit today it may usher or encourage Walker Kessler to be like yeah you know I'm trying to increase my draft stock I don't really want to share this front court with anybody yeah he may decide to leave that's very possible I think that that could push him maybe that way I don't know if Traore coming encourages him to stay in any way right I think and if anything the- it maybe could encourage him to, I, I say could could encourage him to leave but who knows and that's that's kind of my thought process on it is but I think both of those guys are dominant in their position at the college level in the college game and look Traore's not he hasn't committed anywhere okay that just so the listeners purely know, speculation purely speculation just off the reports that he liked what he saw in Auburn and, and vice versa Auburn liked what they How see in him right future cast and exactly so crystal balls right so I mean it's safe to speculate that he could commit to Auburn today Auburn's the favorite I it think, is the favorite today yeah Auburn is the favorite so if he does I just I find it really difficult for for Auburn and Bruce Pearl to try to split the minutes between Traore and Walker Kessler if they're both still on the team because they play such a similar position, obviously, the five, maybe the four for Traore, like you were talking about. 
I just don't see them blending on the floor together because of their their dominant style in oh, the I college game. I definitely don't think they could be on the floor at the same time. Exactly, and I don't see Traore coming to Auburn with his skill set. He's you know he's hasn't you know hasn't what's the word I'm looking for? Well, I mean, he could be a one and done. Exactly, he's a five star. He exactly. could be a one and done. He could that be a one happen. and done. And so with him coming to Auburn or whether wherever he goes, I don't think he's coming to play off the bench. And so. With Walker Kessler still being on the fence, this might be the little, you know, the little nudge that says, "Okay, it's time to go." If you're Walker Kessler, but likewise, we don't know what's important to Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler may want to yes. come back to college basketball, run it back, and try and win a national championship. Could and be. Some guys are just motivated differently. Yeah, absolutely, could be. Money may not be his go-to factor for Walker. I, you know, he just signed a uh, an NIL with uh, Dunkaroo. You remember that? The uh, I don't the, remember that. I va- it's vaguely in my memory, but I didn't a, need them. It's like the blue package with the kangaroo. It's like a little cookie with the white icing in the end of it and the little package. He signed an NIL deal with them, so I don't know. He's I don't know if it's NIL, but I, I guess it would be because he's still technically in college and he's to with them. To be fair, now. though, he can keep that same endorsement going to the NBA. Exactly. So he did, but I just thought that was interesting. He signed that deal yesterday. Um, but no, I, we don't know Walker Kessler's his motivations, what is important to him when it comes to this decision. I would just assume, and I would think that if Treori commits to Auburn today, I don't think you're going to see Walker Kessler 30 minutes later saying, going to the NBA, but that may be like the little nudge that says, okay, maybe it's time for Walker Kessler to go. What if Jabari Smith said he wanted to come back? <laughs> Everybody would be like, you're crazy. What if both of those guys came back? I mean, Auburn fans would be we, so excited, like, but you'd be like, that's crazy. Like, like when you're when you're predicted to be a top three pick, I don't care, man. You gotta go because what I mean, how you what are you gonna do more in college if you're already asking to go to the NBA? Unless you're Win looking a championship. for championship. But what or, does that matter? Yeah. Or, <laughs> or go and make five million dollars a year at least. Exactly. A lot so, more than that, actually. Probably. Yeah, a lot slot. more than that, I would think. Especially top three, those guys. That's where the money is. That's top three, and then the lottery, and then everybody else. When it comes to the NBA draft, making money for their their rookie contracts. So, no, I don't care how bad you want a championship. Go to the NBA and try to win one, man. College, go get your money. Go get paid. I would because if you're a top three draft pick, what are you going to do? You're not going to get any higher. You're not going to get any. You might get better, but if you go to the NBA and you go to the right team with the right coaches and the right trainers, you're going to develop more in the NBA than you will in college. So if you're Jabari, no, you do not come back. I don't care. If anybody tells him he should come back, that's just being selfish. Sure, 100%. But let's just think this. Let's think through this. Do you, How much do you think his draft stock really will evaporate, though? I mean, like, definitely the money will go down 100%, and that's enough to say, yes, he should go. I'm just – I'm just playing. I'm not. I'm not actually saying that he should come back. I don't want people to think this. I'm just saying, like, what if somebody did make that type right. of decision this day and said, you know what? No, I want to stay in college. I want to play basketball in college and and have a good time and enjoy my time in school and try and win a championship and live that life, right? And maybe you know, d- does their draft stock evaporate? I don't think so. I think he stays in the top ten for sure. That's exactly what I was going to say. He may not be top three because you don't know the skill and the talent that comes in that may be to his level or better but I think he would be younger younger exactly I think he would remain top 10 if he were to come back for another year I don't think he would drop out of the lottery or anything I think he would still be a top 10 pick maybe not a top three unless he just took a bigger step in his his development and I think even if he got hurt he's a first round draft pick potential lottery selection and my basis on that is Michael Porter Jr. played like four games in college and still got drafted yeah. in the lottery. Okay, yeah. still got. Didn't he go top ten? 
He was definitely in the lottery. He may have gone top 10 from – he was Missouri, right? And so, like, if that happened, Jabari Smith's a better basketball player coming out of college than Michael For Porter sure. Jr. was. So, like, I don't think that, like, it's as much of a risk as, like, people would make it out to be for a guy like Jabari. I, I think it's more of a risk for someone like Walker Kessler. Walker who could drop entirely out of a first round or even getting drafted. Exactly. So, like, Jabari could make that decision to come back and play and, you know, win a championship if he wanted to. Obviously, his money could take a big hit, though, and that, you know, and you, you go and get paid. And as any sport goes, you're risking a, a detrimental injury of some – God forbid, obviously, but, you know, and that just happens. And you could get that injury in college, pick up, NBA, doesn't matter, but, you know – the, the argument is I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> the argument is there is no argument. Jabari will go to the NBA. We just we are talking about that just for you know just for fun, just to think about it. But kicks team, and giggles. Yeah, there you go, radio. <laughs> but no, Jabari, you got to go. You got to go get your money because you're not going to improve your draft stock any more than it is. There's really no difference between being one, two, or three when it comes to being drafted money wise. Um, you're still going to a bottom tier NBA team from the past season. You're still going to get paid millions upon millions upon millions of dollars, right? And but on the flip side for Walker Kessler, you're exactly right. Another year, yes, he could improve his draft stock. He could improve as a player, or he could go the other way. He could he could drop in the in the draft boards. He may fall out of the first round, maybe a late second round, depending on if he gets better in college or if he begins to kind of get exposed on in his college game of not having a as much of a physical presence in the post, you know, something like that for Walker. So in my opinion, again, if, if it's in his shoes, because he's still in the first round projected right now, is that correct? Walker Kessler? Like I think 25. he was like 25, right? I think you got to go. It's hard to turn down. It's hard to turn down a first round projection, but at the same time, look at Sharif Cooper. He was projected to go in the lottery and drop to the second round. So, you know, it just depends. I think Sharif Cooper had some bad word and got bad input. That's got to be, I think, what my prediction on that was. But when you talk about Jabari and Walker Kessler, you got to go. I think that's, I mean, you got to take your shot because how many guys make it to the league, man? It's it's very rare to make it to the league and get drafted in the first round. I think you got to go and take your shot. 100%. 100%. I don't disagree whatsoever. We've talked about draft stock on this show a ton. And the news of the day, obviously, is Traore committing, whether it's to Auburn or wherever he goes. Is the G League in the mix here? Mm, well, I actually saw somebody ask, ask this question on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but he was asking for, like, honest opinions. He really was just curious. Why, you know, he asked the question, why would somebody go to the G League out of college like why would so like take Jabari for example why would he go to a year of college and then go to the G League no, instead I meant of Traore though is oh oh Traore Traore I'm not talking about Walker Kessler I, I haven't G, heard he any, it, you would go to the G League if you were forced into the G League right exactly <laughs> no I haven't heard anything about the G League when it comes to Traore I've heard it's just been college visits and like where's he going to commit to play college ball I haven't heard anything about the G League so it wouldn't be the first time Auburn would lose somebody to the G League, but I don't think that scenario is in play here. So I'm not sure what time he commits. Seems to supposed be more to commit. at play for the other LSU commit that Auburn's mm-hmm. going after, Julian yes. Phillips. Yeah, so I'm not sure what time he's supposed to commit. I will try and see if I can find that during the break, but it's supposed to be today. It's what I saw for Traore, the five-star center transferring from LSU, is supposed to make his commitment today. Auburn is the favorite to land him but we will see where he goes if he actually does commit today and all that good stuff but let's head to break we'll come back 
And we'll talk a few more minutes before having a guest on the show. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Have a few more minutes before we head to the 2.30 break. Stick around. We've got Leah Van coming on, an LSU beat writer from Baton Rouge. She'll be on to talk about the LSU baseball team. Give us a little preview of what Auburn baseball is up against down in Baton Rouge this weekend. So make sure you stay tuned for that at 2.30 right here on On the Line. Phone lines are open for just a few minutes. And then after her interview, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. If you want to call in, give us anything on your mind going on in the sporting world, we want to hear from you. If you want to talk to Noah on his last day of the show, anything you want to talk to him about or us, just anything, give us a call, 334-321-1390. Noah, just a few minutes before we head to the 2.30 break. The news last night out of the NFL, Bruce Arians, the Tampa Bay Bucks head coach, Stepping away as the head coach, he is taking a spot in the front office for the Bucks. Todd Bowles is the new head coach for Tampa Bay. Tom Brady doesn't play well with others? What? That seems... Yeah, it's got... Never heard that before. It's got Tom what? Brady written all over it, doesn't it? Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, so... Bruce Arians, the head coach, a Super Bowl winning head coach, is now stepping away from coaching but still wants to be involved. So he will be in the front office. I don't think they released exactly what he's doing yet, but he's still, you know, he said he loves the game, still wants to be around and involved. He's older, though. He Let's is older. Just be real. He is. He, but, and he's won a Super Bowl, but it's just really weird timing that Tom Brady retired. And then as soon as Tom Brady comes back, Arians steps away for another head coach to take over. And it's Todd Bowles. They gave him a five-year deal, did Tampa Bay. So, I don't know. I just really thought it was weird timing. Um, And there had been reports that there was beef throughout the season with Tom Brady and head coach Bruce Arians. But there was never – nothing was, like, extremely confirmed, right? It was just kind of – there may be some beef, maybe some tension there. And that happens a lot of times between a head coach and the the star quarterback, (laughs) Green Bay. So – But now, Arians has stepped away from coaching. He's still a part of the organization. But Todd Bowles will be your new head coach for the Tampa Bay Bucks. Is that thing on his chest in these pictures the coaching headset plug? Is that what that is? I think that's what that is. Because it says Bose on it, and then the XLR plug goes into the bottom of it. Oh, it is because look, the cord. We're looking and at it's a got picture. a Tampa Bay Buccaneers logo on it. We're looking at a picture on Noah's phone. The cord from his headset goes down around his arm, up underneath, and plugs in. That's bad. I almost said one less fanny pack in the league because there's several coaches in the NFL that wear fanny packs, and it bothers me. But What's you know, nothing against pack, it. Man? I don't know. Never mind. I don't wear um, one. I'm. De- <laughs> but no, sorry, that was I didn't definitely mean to strike a chord. That there. was. <laughs> You didn't strike a chord with me. I don't wear a fanny pack. I was just curious. There are a couple coaches that have, that have, that wear fanny packs on the sideline. I'm like, why? Like, do you, is that where you keep your timeouts? First like, game of the that, do you pull those out? No, first, like, no. first game of the year, Jordan Hare Stadium. Brian Harson out of the tunnel, fanny pack. I mean, it, it, that's just a weird thing. It was, Hugh Jackson wore a fanny pack on the sideline for the Browns several years ago, and I always joked with people because like. 
he would terrible time management as a head coach always had a real issue with moments in the second half when the Browns had to call a timeout for absolutely just nonsense that shouldn't happen like clearly just like poorly managed football team that like these guys were not disciplined at all and always joked that he would pull the timeouts out of the fanny pack I was really upset in those moments um yeah those were the down years of the the Cleveland Browns the downest yeah (laughs) the lowest those were the bad years of the Browns Uh, but no never forget Corey Coleman dropping the football against the Steelers in week 17 and me thinking what (laughs) is going on these guys can't win i mean wide open point blank curl route hits his hands drops i'm like someone get the duct tape (laughs) yeah that's um you've had some uh, rough experiences being a cleveland browns fan in your lifetime especially being as you know young. what about the following year thinking you were going to beat the pittsburgh steelers in week one and you tie you tie nothing's more demoralizing than a tie and this was one of this was an excellent trip me and my now wife at the time girlfriend went to new orleans to watch the saints play the browns we went to or to see the browns play the saints in the superdome and the browns like held a lead the entire time and there was just an absolute shot like thrown downfield for that that would have been like the game winning touchdown throw for the browns in that game and it just went straight through the hands of antonio callaway and i lost it (laughs) <laughs> and and oh, I, I held it together in that stadium because once again saints fans man they tough they're yeah. tough if, if levi fitzwater's out there listening man respect to y'all but y'all tough man y'all <laughs> y'all on a whole nother level with y'all's fandom and then when people realized that i was a browns fan in my section and dude, you stick it, out like a sore thumb in that was, stadium it was non-stop out the stadium in the moment people were getting in my ears yelling into my ears directly like i mean i i was we were definitely very much so ah yes the road environment being a road it's not like that in other stadiums man i've been to a panthers game that was like one of the court that borderline that was like having tea man they people there didn't cheer at all like college is so bad though tame was the panthers game that i went to and then the falcons do do they even have fans show up you told me trevor (laughs) (laughs) i'm messing man i'm messing i'm messing (laughs) trevor's about to throw hands no you're dropping bombs on your last day on my way out we're taking (laughs) shots at the a we're taking shots at the nfc south fan base this year yeah that's all right but no being an opposing fan is something it's an experience man no matter where you go what sport it is being an opposing fan is it's a it's a trip it's an adventure i had to teach um erica my girlfriend i had to teach her how to be a road fan when we went to penn state for the auburn game because she had never gone to a road environment except in like high school yeah, you, you know keep your mouth shut man yeah you keep your mouth shut keep your mouth shut and just keep walking take it just keep walking <laughs> just here's, like yeah here's up my in thing. a sewer somewhere here's my thing i always make the <laughs> argument i, I had say, a giant wound on my head <laughs> Yeah. Has no one returned from his trip? No, I don't think so. (laughs) I always said this. As a road fan, you have just as much right to be there and cheer on your team as the home fans do, right? Yeah. That's my opinion. Don't be be loud and proud in the stadium. Be loud and proud. Don't be over the top. Don't be obnoxious. Don't call people out and don't get in fights. But enjoy your game. Enjoy your time, right? Being a road fan, it is an adventure. Let's head to the break. We'll come back. We'll have a guest here on the line.
Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. 30 minutes into hour number one. We have a special guest now on the show here on the line. Leah Van, a LSU football and baseball writer for The Advocate down in Baton Rouge. Leah, welcome in. Well, thanks for having me, y'all. So, yeah, we appreciate your time. We wanted to reach out and talk to you a little bit because you do cover LSU football and baseball, like I said, for The Advocate and Auburn baseball traveling down to LSU for their three-game series this weekend, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday between the Tigers and the Tigers. So wanted to start off and ask you just what is the scouting report on this LSU baseball team to this point in the season? Yeah, so um, it's kind of changed a little bit, but um, you're going to see mostly some guys who can really hit the ball. I mean, obviously, you think about that top four. You got Cade Doty, Trey Morgan, Dylan Cruz, and Jacob Berry. Both Dylan and Jacob were, like, freshmen of the year by different outlets last year. Uh, Jacob Berry's a switch hitter. Uh, Dylan Cruz bats right. And they're both known for kind of being those big-time sluggers on the team. Uh, lately, what we've been seeing in the lineup is Braden Bear, who's designated hitter. He currently, he's on like a home run streak. He's knocked five home runs the past three games. So offensively, the Tigers are pretty similar to the Tigers. <laughs> um, they are very offensively strong and are kind of trying to figure out their identity with the pitching staff. So, you know, tonight's starter is Blake Money, and he's been starting uh, in the Friday night position for most of the season, with the exception of the Texas A&M series, because he decided to play on Saturday um, after a wrist injury. And he kind of hasn't really been the same since that little wrist pickup, but, um, you know, the crowd loves him. He feeds off that home crowd. So I think you could see a strong performance from the mound from him who's starting tonight. So this LSU baseball team is 18-7 and seven at this point in the season, 3-3 three and three in conference. Talk about a little bit how they have gotten to that record so far this season. Yeah, so the Tigers have really struggled a little bit with defensive errors. I think at one point they were leading the SEC in defensive errors, and the switch they made last weekend was they switched their second baseman and their shortstop. So uh, Jordan Thompson, who was previously playing shortstop, is now playing second base, and Cade Doty is now playing he was second base. Now he's playing shortstop, and that seems to have cleaned up a couple of things. Um, so yeah, like against A and M, that was kind of that was kind of the story. And the other story is this: um, this team has actually struggled a little bit against left-handed pitchers. Um, and I think that they sort of overcame that against Florida. They did face two different guys: Philip Abner and Tim Manning. Were able to get a lot of hits off of those guys, but the one guy they really struggled with was Hunter Barco, who is of course like a first-round you know, a projected first rounder. Um, but even earlier this year, again, the Shriners classic at o- playing Oklahoma and I think with Baylor, they struggled against those left-handed pitchers. So, um, you know, there's been a couple of hiccups along the way defensively and a little bit at bat where they have left a lot of runners on base and kind of not been able to come up with a win. But then I think against Florida, there was a a switch that flipped and they ended up piling it on. I think they're riding a hot streak right now at that. 
talking to Leah Van, a football and LS or football and baseball LSU writer for the Advocate there in Baton Rouge, talking about the LSU baseball team and previewing their matchup with Auburn's baseball this weekend down there in Baton Rouge. You talk about the series coming off from Florida for LSU. They lost game one on Friday, two to seven, but then cranked it up on Saturday and won sixteen to four, and then on Sunday winning eleven to two. How did that series flip after the Friday night loss, and what's the feeling for LSU coming out of that series? Yeah, so when LSU headed to Florida, they were coming off a 12-inning loss to Louisiana Tech in the middle of the week, and that was their second loss to Louisiana Tech. Um, And it just felt like they, uh, you know, they obviously were not capitalizing on the talent that they had. A lot of mental errors, a lot of fundamentals. Um, but it seems like both the coach and some of the players like held a meeting out in left field, I think on Saturday before the Florida game, I wrote about this. And one of them, the starting catcher who's been injured for a couple of weeks now, we may or may not see him, Alex Milazzo this weekend, kind of rallied them together and said, Hey, we need to play some LSU baseball and we need to bring more energy to the dugout because when you're down in the dugout, like the pitchers on the mound can feel that energy and the guys that are going up to bat can feel that energy. So um, you're going to see a really loud dugout. Uh, LSU is really trying to keep that energy going, and it seems like the morale really flipped in that, and they started, you know, really piling it on. I think, you know, one of the pitchers, Mikhail Hilliard, who you'll see on Saturday, said it best, was like, we have all this talent, and we just kind of expected everything to come to us as a result. And then we kind of got nipped in the butt. And so now we're like, okay, we're talented, but we have to show. We have to prove that. We have to be aggressive. So um, that was a big switch that happened, that little players meeting out uh, before the Saturday game. And the pitching has also really solidified itself, and it hasn't really gotten a lot of the attention. Um, but Mikhail Hilliard had his best outing yet, and I think that's what earned him his Saturday spot. And he really mixes his pitch as well and keeps runner, keeps batters, like, really on their toes and really off balance. And so – he was able to kind of be the reason that the Tigers got that win on Saturday. And he was followed up by Paul Gervais, who's a great reliever, throws a big fastball, but has a really unique slot. So being a six foot 10 pitcher. So, yeah, I think um, the Tigers are starting to find their identity as a whole. And you're going to see that this weekend. Talking to Leah Van, a LSU football and baseball writer for The Advocate. Let's talk about the series this weekend between Auburn and LSU down in Baton Rouge. What is the early scouting report on Auburn from your end being in Baton Rouge? Yeah, so what Jay Johnson, was the head coach, was saying the other day was like they're similar in the sense that like both teams are trying to find their pitching identity. And I think that Hayden Mullins, um, you know, didn't start last year, but Obviously, he's been starting a little bit this year. I know he had some success against A&M, while Blake Money really didn't. Blake Money um, actually kind of struggled against A&M, and uh, he, I think he gave up here in six runs on seven hits, only struck out three. And Hayden, if you want to you know, compare like apples to apples there, um, was a little bit more successful on that end. I think he only allowed one run and struck out five, and I think that's when Auburn came out on top. So, um, yeah, and – Obviously, I think Auburn is leading in batting average right now as a team. I think 311 and to LSU 301. So, obviously, both very productive. Obviously, Sonny is kind of the guy to talk about, right? I think he's the one that the Tigers will be really um, cognizant of at the plate. And it's kind of interesting. Uh, I think that Auburn has three or four players that played at Samford with Tyler McManus, 
who is a catcher at LSU. Um, he's been starting in place of Alex Malazzo lately. So I think that's really cool is that you're going to see some guys kind of reuniting from that same Stanford squad. Um, but, yeah, I think Auburn has actually had more hits so far this year, um, but LSU has had more runs scored overall. So it could be a very offensive weekend, um, but it depends on how the pitching comes through, which the pitching has been a little bit unpredictable on both sides. Well, Leah, you mentioned it before in the in the first question I asked you, but how big is it for LSU coming off of the series at Florida to come back at home and get this Auburn team there at home? I think it's it's huge for their momentum. I mean, they haven't had they haven't had a series sweep yet. Um, you know, obviously they dropped the series to A and M, and then you know they won the series against the ranked Florida team, really good, and you know they beat Florida in front of. Florida's record crowd of over 8,000 people in Gainesville. And it was um, also, I, I think it was their first um, SEC series lost in that new ballpark, first SEC series lost at home since May 2019. So I think they really need to come up with this one to show that, hey, that wasn't just the last weekend kind of thing. This is going to continue. Um, and it's going to be important because they do go on to Mississippi State next week in Starkville. And then they're going to play Arkansas on the road, too. So two really tough teams coming up. Auburn's obviously a tough team. It's the SEC. Um, but LSU really needs to prove that the, what we saw last weekend is here to stay. Talking to Leah Van, a writer for LSU football and baseball for The Advocate, what will the fan turnout be like for this matchup between LSU and Auburn? You talk about the home field advantage for this LSU team. What will the fan turnout be this weekend? It'll probably be pretty good. I mean, it's an SEC series, and, um, you know, LSU never fails to turn out for an SEC series. Uh, I don't know about tonight, but certainly Friday night, certainly Saturday afternoon will be a good time. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, we've got two evening games, primetime slots, and I think on SEC Network tonight, and then uh, Saturday afternoon, you know, there's nothing else to do on a Saturday, and the basketball teams aren't exactly – in the tournament so what else <laughs> uh, absolutely well one more question before we let you get out of here I know you specifically cover football and baseball but do you have any news or updates about what the state of the LSU basketball program is uh, talking about with the with the NCAA uh, troubles that they're having do you have any updates on that um, no updates at this time no Okay, great. Well, just thought we would ask. We really appreciate your time coming on the show. This is Leah Van from The Advocate covering LSU football and baseball. Let everybody know where they can find your content and keep up with you. Yeah, um, I'm on Twitter, so you can follow me at, at @lvan. It's van like a minivan, but with two ends, underscore sports, and, or you can just type in Leah Van, and I will probably pop up. So thanks. For the, thanks for the call. Great. We appreciate your time. Thank you very much. That was Leah Van here on the line previewing LSU baseball as Auburn baseball travels. Uh, probably already there. They play tonight in Baton Rouge with a three-game series starting tonight, tomorrow, and on Saturday. Auburn looking to continue their hot streak hitting the ball, trying to get their pitching rotation uh, back healthy and and set in stone against an LSU team that's kind of identical. They have a lot of the same traits looking for their pitching staff to get going, but they can hit the ball, especially in their last series against Florida. So we want to thank Leah Van for coming on, previewing LSU baseball against Auburn this weekend. Let's take a break. We'll come back and wrap up hour number one. You're listening to On the Line. 
Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. About 10 more minutes before we head to the three o'clock break and wrap up our number one here on the show phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 if you want to call in say goodbye to noah today is his last day on the show or if you want to call in and give us anything else on your mind going on in the sporting world we want to hear from you again 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 want to thank leah van for coming on the show previewing lsu baseball as auburn travels down there this afternoon evening to take on LSU for a three-game series so thank you to her for coming on the show Noah I saw I saw some news out of the Oregon football camp that today they were running some 11 on 11 out there and and Bo Nix threw three interceptions (laughs) no he was when they did 11 on 11 like play in practice uh reporter said he was taking snaps at the second position he was playing QB2 behind who behind i don't remember his name was that yeah 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 ty thompson i think that's his name so i don't know how much you want to read into that you're telling me what i don't know how much we want to read into that because let me i because i was like what dude that's crazy right but then i started reading some people's comments and stuff and it actually kind of made sense he did just transfer in right maybe trying to get used to the you know get the system down maybe maybe he'll work his way up i don't know but he Until was Todd taking, Thompson wins the job. Yeah. So that was that's what I saw though. He was taking he was taking reps at QB two, not QB one for the Ducks out there in Eugene. So I thought that was uh, that's interesting. Little drama going on out there in You're Oregon. Telling me what? <laughs> Doesn't even make sense. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's no shot he transfers out there to be QB two. Like they told him he you was gonna be the guy when you showed up. Like you know that's what they told him. Because he thinks he can be, and he can, right? I mean, he could, right? But, yeah, that was the report that out of the however many snaps. Oh, man. What if he ends up being the backup? That would be. Um, he still has two years of eligibility. Oh. Just saying. Oh. But Ty Thompson has a lot more than that. Double that for Ty Thompson. Yep. Oregon fans really like Ty Thompson. I'll yes, tell you, there do. was a portion of the Oregon fan base. A sizable portion, I would imagine, on the, uh, on Twitter at least, that was definitely um, that was definitely um, a little concerned with Bo Nix coming. They didn't like it that much, and they really liked Ty Thompson. Well, I mean, just look at, I mean, look at the positives and the negatives that we've seen at Auburn. He had a lot of highs. You earn it. Well, take that back. His highs were really high, but his lows were also really low. There's a lot of things, but he did get better. Okay, he did get better before he transferred from Auburn. He got. I would better. like for him to be the quarterback at Auburn this year. Is it too late to come back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are we saying? <laughs> hey, man, now? you're number two on their depth chart. Come back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it? It's you know, it's like no, it's what August thirtieth, and like, can we still get this guy? Like, can he still transfer? Right? No, I don't know. But but yeah, that was the report. I, I thought it was really interesting that, of course, Bo Nix transferred to Oregon to be the quarterback out there for the Ducks. And in the first 11-on-11 in practice, he was taking reps at QB2. Man. Yeah. So take that as you will. I don't know I'm how much. I'm sure it really is just, you know, lip service and just optics because he did just transfer in and he's got to learn the system. It's all optics. It's you know that You know the game and you're trying to get the dude to work hard and earn the team's respect. 
it's all that. He's going to end up being the starter, I'm sure. Unless Ty Thompson's an absolute beast, which is possible. It is possible. You never know. So I, I do think there's a legitimate competition going on. I think Bo's going to end up being the starter down the line, but it wouldn't shock me. I, I won't be. I wouldn't be like jaw on the floor, you know, surprised if Ty Thompson won the job. And that's nothing against Bo. I've just heard a lot about Ty Thompson being a really good quarterback and have a lot of potential. And it's you know, Bo has shown stuff through his first three years. But I wouldn't be. It's not out of the question that someone younger than Bo by two years could end up being a better QB yeah i mean that and if that kid comes in ty thompson and it's just a, a baller and is just better he may win the transfer spot. again because we've seen some guys transfer three or four times i just that's just and crazy they still to think have about. these but he, he graduate transferred right yeah like, he's so, a graduate transfer so could he transfer again can he like the free transfer like does he get oh, another free one <laughs> i don't i don't know because we've don't. seen a couple of people do that Think about that. Like we've seen someone graduate, tra- we've seen someone transfer once, and then they grad transferred. Yeah, that's. I mean, you're right. You're right. Um, I don't know. I doubt he would. I just. I don't know. I wouldn't think he would because let's be back honest. Back to Auburn. Back to Auburn, dude. Auburn fans. Whoa. <laughs> hey, if you're an Auburn fan and Bo Nix announces he's coming back to Auburn, what's your opinion? <laughs> right. Give us a call. Terry, we know that's your opinion. Not no, I'm just that's not happening. I'm just kidding. No, we uh, that is definitely not happening. But and again, I think it's probably going to get read into too much. It's just I do no, think he'll be the starter. He'll be the starter. He'll be the starter. They he did not go to Oregon. They did not want him to come there to be the backup. They like they wanted him to be their quarterback. I think and the real question is who do you think is going to be Auburn's starter? Lord, this is my last day on the show, so I want a prediction. Who's going to be Auburn's starter? Who do you think is going to be Auburn's starter? I think Zach Calzada is going to end up being the Auburn starter. I think he's going to win the job in the fall. I think it's going to be, as of right now, I th- as of right now, it's TJ Finley's because he was a starter last year. It's his job to lose, right? I think he is going to be beat out by no, either. It's Zach Calzada's job to take. Yeah. I, it's either going to be Zach Calzada or Garner. That's going to be my prediction. One of those two really? guys. It's going to be one of those two yeah, guys. I don't, think, I don't think it's going to be Garner. I think it's going to be. I think I, it's gonna be Calzada, and I want. I think Calzada is probably the best. Option. I think it, it will probably more than likely be Calzada more than I think it'll be Gariner, just because Calzada does have some experience. He played. I mean, he's played college ball, right? And I just don't why, trust T.J. Finley's ability to throw on the move. And this offense either. requires its quarterbacks to be able to throw outside the pocket, not in the lens of like how some spread offenses do with like a Johnny Manziel or something like that. But think about the large amount of bootlegs that this offense runs i mean literally they were running a drill in practice the other day where the players literally i mean a lot of the video that i've seen of these quarterbacks at practice is them on the move throwing the football rolling out to one side with a bootleg and then there were some drills where they were having to throw on the run and they were going towards a target and they were having to throw into the pocket you know what i mean when you when you set up those drills where you've got the standee up and you have to throw into the hole uh they were having to do they were having to do that on the run, and I was like, "Good gracious!" I, but you, I like you know it. the word that didn't, you know the player that did not come out of your mouth once and hasn't come out of mind yet either, because I don't think he's going to be the starter. But I don't think that we should dismiss Robbie Ashford because I think there have been times where he has looked pretty sharp. Yeah, and and you know I would say he's probably 
what, probably fourth on the depth chart right now since D. I Davis know. is I out. I could see Garner being fourth just because Garner of may his be youth. just because of his youth. I like I like Garner's potential. I think he has a lot of potential and upside. I don't know much about him play wise. Just I mean, all we have is high school stuff, right? But I think I think it'll end up being Calzada. But Garner is a dark horse. We should continue this conversation. I like it. We should do it. That's it for hour number one here on the line. We'll start, come back for hour number two right here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show for the final time. Noah Gardner. Huh? One more hour. One more hour, baby. Noah Gardner, your last day on the show. The creator, the thought behind it of On the Line. You created this wonderful thing. I am blessed to continue it on. After you leave, today's your final day on the show. It's been a great first hour. We have another hour to to do our thing, man, to talk about sports and just have a good time. So phone lines are open for the entire second hour. Give us a call about anything on your mind. If you want to talk to Noah or me or anything, just give us a call. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. We want to hear from you. If you missed any of our number one, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following the show. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. We had a guest, Leah Van, on talking about LSU baseball. She did a great job. She did. Great preview about LSU and Auburn series this weekend that gets underway tonight down in Baton Rouge. So that was at the 2.30 hour. So if you missed that or anything else in hour number one, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Noah, you bring up a good question. It may be a little early for this, but since you will no longer be here, you get to talk about whatever you want. And you brought up the (laughs) Auburn quarterback battle and our predictions for it. That's how we wrapped up hour number one, but I do like the conversation. I also want to predict the final four before we leave. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can give your predictions. i got to have something to talk about tomorrow, my friend. That's fair. <laughs> so we, we were talking about the Auburn quarterback battle. Of course, the room is now down to four from five. D. Davis transferring away from Auburn. And we got on the conversation because the reports out of Oregon from Eugene is that Bo Nix took reps at QB2 in the 11-on-11 drills. <laughs> but... I wouldn't read too much into it. I think it's just him getting acquitted with the with the system and everything as a transfer, whatever. But talking about the quarterback situation here, there's four guys left in the room. It's TJ Finley's job as of right now, I think, because he was the starter last year, right? He got the, at the end of the year. We've so, heard some good things about TJ Finley. A in lot the of spring. I've heard improvement is what I've heard is the word that I would. But that say doesn't I've heard. mean that he's the in guy. the top seventy five percent. Of the conference either, right? Correct. Um, Because I think most would have said his performance last year among starters would have put him at the bottom or in that bottom two or three. Um, 
and I definitely think he had his moments. But what concerns me most with TJ Finley, can he throw on the run? Uh, can he, can he has he added deep ball touch? Um, will he pull the trigger? Sometimes he was reluctant or hesitant to throw the football to clearly open windows if they were downfield. It seemed like he didn't have full confidence maybe in his arm to make certain throws downfield, and we saw that in the bowl game, and Auburn lost. And at the end of the day, there was I, I talked about that bowl game. I remember saying the winner of this game is going to come down to which team's quarterback makes the plays to win the game because I thought Auburn's going to be able to hang. I didn't think Auburn's going to get blown out, but I did think you know what, who was, which quarterback was going to make the plays when it came down to it in crunch time. That's how you that's how you talk about quarterbacks. That's how you evaluate quarterbacks. A good quarterback um, can, can make plays most of the time, but what separates good and great quarterbacks is that they can make those tight window throws. They can make those throws when the moment counts the most to be able to help you win games. They're, they are they kind of take on that, they shoulder that heavy responsibility that they make the difference, right? And the quarterback for Houston, whose name escapes me at the moment, I think it was Clayton something, Clayton Toon. Yeah, Clayton Toon was his name. Um, he made the throws. And at the end of the day, more times than not, it was T.J. Finley missing the throws in the bowl game. That's something that's got to change because Auburn did not have a consistent deep ball last year. They really only had it in like two games, not even two, maybe just one, and that was against Arkansas. That was it. I mean, Auburn's deep ball was not present in any other major football game. Uh, that's a problem because it really condenses the field and it, and it makes it easy to defend you. T.J. Finley's got the cannon. Just does he have the accuracy and the touch on it? And I think Calzada's got the deep ball. The question is, does he have the consistent accuracy in the intermediate tier of throws? Can Does he have the ability to put the ball up and over a linebacker? Um, you know, Is he going to make the easy throws easy, or is he going to make them the easy throws difficult, which we saw that a few times, especially in the Auburn game. And so I think that a lot of it you know, just comes down to consistency for Calzada. I think he has all the tools to be a top-half quarterback in this league, and I do think there's some NFL arm talent there. I'm not saying he's going to be an NFL player, because there, you need much more than just NFL caliber arm talent to make it to the NFL. But I do think there is stuff to work with there with Calzada, which is why ultimately I think he wins the job. I think he impresses during the fall, and I think he ends up taking the position. I think this coaching staff really wanted him here. I agree, and of course he is—he's hurt right now. He is not. He's doing all of the drills and all of the you know throwing reps and everything like that. It's just the live action in practice, from what I hear. He is not he's not participating in that. Um, he's doing everything else, just not participating in the actual live going you know game style practice. Um, but Calzada is definitely the favorite, I would think, if you had to put an odd on it. You know, I think Calzada would definitely be the favorite. I don't know. I'm hearing a lot win. of people saying that about T.J. Finley. I just don't know, man. I just don't. I have to. You're see having a hard it time envisioning T.J. Finley being the starting quarterback at Auburn. Yes, like and him be the best guy in the room. Nothing on T.J. Finley. I like the guy. He loves Auburn. He's done some good things for Auburn at the Georgia State game. Right? Does so, this not feel 2012 esque yeah, with it this does. quarterback it situation really does. going it, into this? And year. you bring up the bowl game and how, <laughs> and you talked about his performance in the bowl game. Think about the impact that that bowl game loss had on this Auburn program because the mindset was. Okay, this program, you know, there's some positives coming out of the offseason and then the bowl game loss happened and then everything just went downhill in the offseason after that, right? It was like, if Auburn can win this bowl game, things might be okay. And then they lost. <laughs> and then... You know what's funny? Everything else happened. You know, like the SpongeBob character is like two hours later. It's like <laughs> they show you 2012 and that revolving door at quarterback and that heinous season and then we say 10 
years later, <laughs> and it's like this quarterback room and what's going but on right now. I think this is. A, I, I do, and I think this is a much better oh, situation. Yes, Trevor's over here like, no, no, I would much rather have this than 2012. 100. percent Your defensive coordinator is not Brian Van Gorder, and your offensive coordinator is not Scott Leffler. Okay, Ooh. I mean it's a much better situation going into this year. That's rough. Um, yeah, but this quarterback room has potential. I think. And I, I hate to be this way because I like T.J. Finley. I just don't see him as the starter here. I don't. Unless he just makes drastic improvements. Regardless, Auburn's going to have one of the best backups in the SEC. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're right. And I just don't see him making the strides uh, mentally, physically enough and at the, to play the quarterback position, to make the right throws, make the right plays, not take sacks. And I just don't see him in game as a game changer when you put him on the field offensively I don't think he's going to gain you more wins than some of these other guys might I like Zach Calzada I like what he has done in his career so far I know he's injured right now so we won't see a lot of him until closer to kickoff in September right but I like his potential at Auburn but then I also like Holden Garner I really do I like his potential I like his skill set what he could become in Auburn I think he's got that that elite passing, the playmaking ability. From what we've seen in high school, I know he's a young guy just now coming into college, but I think those two guys, Calzada and Gariner, could be either one of those could win the starting job. I think Auburn wants it to be Calzada just because of his college experience already and what he could bring to the room right now and bring to the field right now. But at the same time, there's four guys in the room. We talked, you know, Noah brought up the point of Robbie Ashford not really getting a whole lot of love in the quarterback room. We don't really know what that rotation is one to four ranking the quarterback room right now as it stands. I think it's probably TJ Finley's starting job just because he was the starter to end the year last year. It will be his job to lose, in my opinion, and I do think he loses it to either Zach Calzada or Holden Gariner. If you want to call in, give us your opinion about this topic or anything else, we want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. No on his last day is trying to stir the pot in this studio. Give it to me. Let's go down the rabbit hole to Alice in Wonderland here. Oh, Let's gosh. take down a trip down memory lane to some childhood quarterbacks of mine. And let me ask you this hypothetical, not possible question, but it's fun once again to go down memory lane because Trevor brought this up just a second ago in an article and I was talking about 2012 and everything and Barrett Trotter was not on the 2012 team, but I'll be real. I would probably feel more comfortable with Barrett Trotter or 2011 Clint Mosley, not 2012 Clint Mosley, but 2011 Clint Mosley than probably three of the four guys in this quarterback room right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wow. Oh, Barrett Trotter won a bowl game, bro. Trotter did win a bowl game. I, I, he got a lot of hate, but I, mean, I don't think he was. I mean, he came. Look, it's a hard act to follow. Those guys yeah. followed Cam Newton, man. Tr- I liked Trotter. Now, okay, granted, I Barrett did. Trotter only averaged like 130 yards a game, and so did Clint Mosley. That's pretty bad. For what we had, though, I mean. Who, what? He, no, he was the starter in 2011. Clint Mosley was the one who took his job in the Florida game. Yeah, I remember yeah, I was Mosley at that took game. his job, and then it was like, ooh, you know. So I don't know. That was but a Mosley bad time. averaged five percent, had a five percent better completion percentage. Mosley at least hit sixty one percent. 
Yeah, Barrett true. Trotter was at fifty five percent. That's not good, man. <laughs> Neither one of those numbers is what you want to see, but but to be fair, Zach Calzada threw for fifty five percent this year at Texas A and M. Oh no, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like oh, people thinking, no. no way. No, I would take Zach Calzada for sure. I'm like, ah, oh, I think he was kind of A and M's Barrett Trotter or Clint Mosley last year to a degree. Statistically, definitely, Statistically. they match up. They yeah. do. I don't know, man. He threw for more yards, a lot more yards, and did pop off in some games. He also beat Alabama. Neither of those quarterbacks came close. So I think that's also fair to point that out. Exactly. <laughs> Let me ask you this a hypothetical question coming in. Okay, since you will not be here when football season rolls around. Um, first game of the season, Auburn runs out on the field. They win the coin toss, you know, right? I have a phone and you can call me. Or well, I'm just saying, it's like you're not going to be here two hours a day every day to talk about this. With call me season. during football season. I will. I will. You give me your opinion about anything. You call me three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Call point. me. No, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create an Elias and call into the show. I don't know what that Elias is going to be yet, and I'm not giving it away, but I'm going to come up with yeah, a this nickname. Yeah, uh, this is Sweater Sam calling into. <laughs> I'm going to come up with a nickname and a random voice, okay, and I'm going to call into this program, and then I'm going to change it every other time I call subsequently. You're I love not going to know, man. I love it. You're Please do it. Know. Call in every time. If anybody else that wants to call in, too, You're again, going to pretend Noah. to be an Alabama fan. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. If hey, uh, as long as you make good points and have a good argument, I don't care what team you cheer for. Hey, this is John Parker, the Alabama fan. <laughs> John Parker Wilson? No, no, no. If you want to call in three three four three two one thirteen ninety, yeah. Noah's last day. We're having some fun here on the program on the line on ESPN one zero six seven at Fox Sports Central Alabama. But I want to ask you this, my friend. First game comes around. Auburn runs out of the tunnel. Coin toss, they get the ball to start the game. Kickoff happens, the offense trots on the field. Who do you feel most confident in as that quarterback right now? Zach Calzada. Why? Once again, all the reasons that I went to just a moment ago about how like live game setting, he's looked more in control of an offense rather than the offense being in control of him than TJ Finley. Um, Zach Calzada has manned an offense, and it's been his offense, and he's controlled it. Additionally, I value the fact that he's of the Jimbo Fisher quarterback tree. I think that that means something. Um, he got good coaching, I think, at the quarterback position. That means something. T.J. Finley got whoever was coaching quarterbacks for Ed Orgeron last, uh, you know, you know, two years ago, whatever it was, as a freshman in a disastrous year. And then, of course, he got Brian Harson last year, but he got it late because of when he came into the program as a transfer. And on top of that. He was the two, so and he, and he was never really – I don't think he was ever really fully in the mix as the one, right? And I know there was a quarterback competition, but Bo won the job, and then a lot of your reps and a lot of your coaching is going to go to your one, not your two, and all of it just kind of was on the fly at the end. So, And I think that helps him going into this year a little bit because he's getting full. You know, He's probably the top dog in the room right now, and he's getting a lot of the attention, and they're trying to get him ready, right? He's, he's probably getting more attention at the position than he ever has, right, in, in his college career. And I think that's important too, but – Zach Calzada ran the offense. It felt like TJ Finley was just in the offense last year. And I think there's a difference. I've used the term truck versus trailer when I've talked about quarterbacks. Colin Coward coined this. Um, at least that I, I would assume he coined it. That's where I heard it first. Maybe he took it from somebody else. I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it, you call a quarterback a truck. They're, they're the truck driver. They're the one pulling the trailer. They're the one who make their teammates better. They're the ones who 
um, improve everything around them. The offense runs through them. It's about them. They're, they're that good. Then there are your trailers who desperately need help around them and can't succeed and, and are totally dependent upon everything else going around them. Borderline, you have to kind of um, accommodate those quarterbacks in the offense. You have to simplify things. You have to – You all of a sudden your playbook shrinks because there's less things that they're capable of doing. Texas A&M's playbook didn't really shrink with Zach Calzada at quarterback. Now, did he do as good of a job as – his counterpart before, who I can't even remember his name now because uh, he got hurt and didn't play anymore. I forgot his name. He played like a game and a half. Uh, whoever got the start first for A&M, did, did he perform it? Was he as good as that guy? No. There's a reason why he didn't start to begin the year. And was he perfect? No. But once again, he was a three-star recruit as a redshirt freshman that had only ever attempted four passes in his career. Um, and he probably didn't get all the attention in the world either until he started playing. And he picked it up on the fly. And they didn't shrink that thing. It grew, if anything. And um, I really was impressed with the way that he manned the offense. I think there's something to be said that he was a rallying point for the Texas A&M football team. Was TJ Finley a rallying point for the Auburn football team at the end of the year? No. We were just trying to hold on. We were trying to survive. We were just trying to hold on. And And yet, we were still in it for the Iron Bowl. You were, but was that because of TJ Finley? No. Exactly. That was the defense played the best game they had played all season long they played absolutely lights and, out and did decision making in the iron bowl feel like there was like Felt especially in the fourth quarter very limited you were you were like trying and i know they threw the ball a lot with tj finley in the game but once again you look at what they were doing in their pass patterns and the plays that were being called and how auburn managed that game um, it felt like it was more of trying to accommodate or make up for shortcomings for their quarterback um rather than a simplify rather than you know actually fully having the full scope and scale of an offense and that's that's a problem that's really going to hurt you how do you think Auburn's I feel like I'm interviewing you (laughs) how do you think Auburn's offensive playbook will look how different do you think Auburn's offense is going to look with Calzani that's kind of what you're talking about but what's the difference going to be with either Bo Nix or TJ Finley last year versus if Zach Calzani gets the starting job this year well counterpoint to myself here and I think this is fair to have this discussion it's I don't think we can say for certain it's this way right because there's a lot of different factors going into this but talking about the scope and the scale of the offense and how how much depth there's going to be to the playbook and the different sets and the different looks they're going to show people we know that Brian Harson wants to have that they want to have variety that was the talk that they had coming in with this coaching staff and we saw that with Bo Nix and then he gets hurt and all of a sudden it really shrank I think um, and they were unable to do a lot of the things that they wanted to do with Bo because TJ Finley wasn't able to do that at the point but the counterpoint to that is now he's got a full offseason to pick it up now he's got a full offseason so I think the playbook is going to regardless of who's taking snaps I do think the playbook is going to grow and expand out back to what this coaching staff wants it to be the question is, will these quarterbacks be able to consistently run that? And once again, I go back to the quarterback who has shown us already in their career, and I know he's missing the offseason, and maybe that gap isn't as wide as maybe I think it is, and maybe T.J. Finley can close that gap on Zach Calzada and get to the point where he hasn't beyond it. Because once again, Calzada's not doing the same things during the spring, and Calzada's having to pick up the offense, whereas T.J. Finley's already got an edge on him there, right? He's already been in the program for a year. Like, he's had time to already pick up on some of those things. So they're also in different, like, 
education periods, if you will, with where they're at in the offense and acclimation periods. But regardless, what I'm trying to point out here is one of these quarterbacks in their career looked really comfortable being a team leader and running an offense. Even though they weren't like even though he wasn't a great quarterback, what is a major plus about Zach Calzada is he was a leader, a rallying point, and he ran the offense. TJ Finley, although he did although he he managed it, called the place was somewhat of a calming force for the offense. I mean, Auburn get, didn't get destroyed in any of their three games he started or anything like that, and there weren't any calamitous events, right, that happened on the offense. There was no just, like, major bungles that this team had, you know, because of him or anything like that. It literally was just a shortcoming of ability and the inability to have a, a depth in your play calling because of your ability of what you had on offense. And that's that's to be expected. I thought T.J. Finley, and I said this a lot, I said that T.J. Finley did everything 100% to what you asked him to do when you brought him to Auburn. That's a fair point. He that did. is a fair point. He, he, did did. Not, he did not give you anything short of what you expected when he came to Auburn. He was a backup, and he was a pretty darn good backup. Most he was just fine in, coming in, for mo- sure. Most SEC quarterbacks would not be able – most backup SEC quarterbacks would not be able to do, you know, as well as T.J. Finley did, I think, in the circumstances that he was and giving Auburn a chance to win those games. And that's why I respect him. And I'm not talking bad about him. I'm not talking down about him. It's not that I don't want him at the quarterback position as the starter. I but just does think, he have starter ability? Exactly. And I just don't – I don't think so. Unless he proves us otherwise, I don't see it happening. But you never know. We have a long way to go throughout the rest of the spring and the summer. Let's take a break. We'll come back. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Tomorrow's April 1st. That's kind of crazy. March flew by. But anyway. I want to play this game. I want to play this oh. game. Trevor Trevor started it. He put the quarter in. We're playing okay, this game. You're going to propose the question. We're going to do it. Give uh. us a call if anybody has an opinion on this topic or anything else. Noah's got about 35 more minutes left with us, and then he <laughs> is leaving me forever, unfortunately. But no, Not he will, nah, he'll be a guest whenever he wants to be or call in. But Anyway, if you want to call in, talk about anything that's going on on your mind in the sporting world, if you want to say something to Noah as he's on the way out, give us a call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. You got about five minutes, my friend. My man Trevor next to me just dropped a bomb on me, okay? And I liked this quarterback as well, but I don't know if I'd say he's the most underrated quarterback in our lifetime. But Trevor asked me, who's the most underrated quarterback in our lifetime so we're going we're going back into the we're going back into the to the mid to late 90s here auburn quarterback yes auburn quarterback most underrated auburn quarterback this man dropped brandon cox on to me and i disagree with you i would choose someone else oh you clapping but his last year he had nine tds to 13 interceptions you don't remember that do you how many wins did he have (laughs) 29 and Ooh, 29 and 9 as an Auburn QB. Trevor. But look at the players he had around him, man. Look at the players he had around him, dude. I love he I, had he had competent offensive lines. He had nasty defenses. Quentin Groves was on those defenses. Marquise I love Brandon Gunn, Cox, man. Nico Thorpe. I will not take the Brandon Cox slander. I love Brandon look Cox. At his he was a great backs. he was a great quarterback Kenny for Auburn. Irons. A good Mario Fannin before he got a little bit worse as his career went on. Brad and he went 29-9. and nine. You can't complain about that. Ben Tate, ben Tate yes. Yeah, You're doing it to yourself now. <laughs> I mean, you look at the teams that he played for, man. I mean, I'm just telling you. I mean, career numbers here. Brandon Cox, career numbers. 42 TDs to 32 interceptions. 
a hair under 7,000 yards. He had 6,959 6, yards, averaged 7.5 yards per attempt, had a 59.3 completion percentage. I admit he won. We talk about quarterbacks just a second ago. He is a winner. We talk about quarterbacks a second ago that found ways, okay, to win football games. You want to talk right? about quotes after play uh, and play by play? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. That's it right there. Boom. That's fair. And then also, additionally, he knew how to run the offense and he was a stable rallying force, okay? But. The epitome of this argument for me is that Auburn knocked off Florida by not scoring a single offensive touchdown. Okay? Come on. W. They did win. They did win. And I like Brandon Cox a lot, too. I'm just saying. I don't know if I'd go so far as say he's the most underrated quarterback. I think think people appreciate what he did. Auburn won a game 3-2, to bro. Who cares? I think Sean White's the most underrated in my lifetime, maybe really like sean white maybe really interesting i wouldn't i did i wouldn't have expected that from you people may people may hate that answer because i've had a few calls in yeah uh, about me and lance had some calls about that a year ago but um i think sean white under the circumstances he had a really weak roster around him and played hurt a lot but when he was in he gave you a chance to win he was accurate i think he ran the offense well and he gave you his best shot i mean I thought he was. I thought if he had a better roster, I thought if you gave him, if he ended up being the starter in 2017, like say Jared Stidham doesn't come along and he wasn't, you know, frail at times, um, you know, I think I think Sean White very much so could have done what Jared Stidham did in 2017. One of my biggest hot takes on, in, in recent quarterback memory of Auburn is Jared Stidham coming to Auburn was probably his worst career decision. He can't. Jared Stidham coming to Auburn didn't make any sense. I don't think he me. would have popped off at Baylor though. I think he could have gotten a lot better at a school like Baylor in do the Big 12. Do you remember what was happening at that time? Oh, no, I'm not saying Baylor specifically. <laughs> I do remember what was happening at that time, but not Baylor specifically, but Auburn is where... And he couldn't have gone to Oklahoma where that would have made a ton of sense, but go, he couldn't have gone there. Go Baker to the Pac-12. Go to the Pac-12. He could have slung it in the Pac-12. I like Jared Stidham a lot. He is a, a passing quarterback, right? He is your pro-style offensive quarterback, and... Auburn's recruiting profile says but yeah well Auburn well he was at that time I guess but Auburn is just not the place for that it wasn't it might become that but when he came in 2017 that was not what Auburn was and he he was extremely good okay he was extremely good and he didn't get to showcase that to his ability at Auburn because of how the offense was run I think it, it still blows my mind that Jarrett Stidham came to Auburn he could have done so much better somewhere else I also don't think Nick Martian Nick Marshall was properly appreciated Nick because Marshall was people an spent animal. half of his career wishing for Jeremy Johnson oh, that's gosh. a classic that's a classic example of be careful what you wish for that was um, that was unbelievable to I be remember fair, I mean it was it was okay to be hyped about Jeremy Johnson going in but oh uh, yeah I, everybody he was a Heisman favorite he was a Heisman favorite that year coming in as a starter wild I know it happens I'm not dogging the guy it happens man I mean he's not the only one not just at Auburn it happens right you come in he was Mr. Alabama football coming out of high school like he was big time and then it sometimes it just doesn't work out but that that's always that's been my take over the last few years when it comes to Auburn quarterbacks is Jarrett Stidham I think he could have benefited somewhere else just because of how Auburn was running their offense at the time I think he did not get to display himself as a quarterback as much I think he went to a good system a good team in New England but he obviously hasn't really gotten to get that chance especially with matt jones coming in being as good as he is so just to stir the just to stir the pot here a little bit more most underrated auburn quarterback ever 
John Franklin III, he has a Super Bowl ring. Oh, no. <laughs> he is has it, a Super Bowl ring. Is it time to go to break? <laughs> Name one of these other guys who have a Super Bowl ring. Oh, Lord. Is Jared Stidham? Was he on the roster at that time? No. When, when Touchdown Wait. Tommy won a, t- no, won a, no, won a no. Super Bowl? Wait. Was he? Was he on that Super Bowl team that, that played the Rams? Was that the 2018 Super Bowl? Or was oh, that he t- was at Auburn in 2018. He was still at Auburn. Then. I don't think he was on that roster yet. Because 2019 no, he was. Super Bowl. He was on a roster with Tom Brady, though. He was he played behind Tom Brady for one year before Brady went to Tampa Bay. I don't know what. I can't remember. Yeah, it just wasn't a Super it Bowl It wasn't the Super year. Bowl winning year. No, yeah. because 2019 was the last year of touchdown Tommy in New England. And yeah. that was Chiefs That was Niners. the Chiefs Niners, yep. And since yep. then, it's been all Tom. So Stidham does not have a ring. They are expecting a kid, though, soon. Him and his wife. They are expecting a kid. So, But no, Jared Stidham coming to Auburn. Horrible decision on his part. That's just my opinion. He should have gone to another Big 12 or a Pac-12 school. Even the ACC, man. Go to the Big... Anywhere but Auburn. That was my opinion. We got 30 minutes left of Noah's final show. You're listening to On The Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. 30 more minutes of the farewell tour for Noah Gardner. He is no, going no, to be. No, 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 no. We're not calling it a farewell tour. <laughs> no, I am not doing what Coach K is doing. That is not what's happening here. <laughs> yeah, you're more legendary. No, <laughs> no, 30 more minutes left in Noah's final show here of On the Line. He is going to be a teacher now he's going to take a different career path we are happy for him and excited for what he does in the future if you are just now hearing this news again Noah Gardner the creator of this show on the line this is his final show he is going on a new career path I Jacob Goins will be continuing this show right here on ESPN 106.7 Fox Sports Central Alabama Monday through Friday 2 to 4 so don't go anywhere because it's still going to be me Uh, if you want to call in and give us your opinion on anything going on your opinion on that Noah taking a, a career change give us a call 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 we've been talking about just whatever man but we got 30 more minutes i know you want to talk about the final four so let's do it let's talk about the final four i'm going to break it down a lot more tomorrow on tomorrow's show since it will be just me here tomorrow but i want to hear what you've got to say i want to hear how historic this Final Four is, because it is. I want to hear your predictions, your breakdown. Give it to me, man. I think North Carolina's going to win the whole thing. Really? I feel, I feel strangely confident. This is a Lance Dog gut game, bro. It's a Lance I wonder, what, I wonder if game. he's got a gut game for these. Uh, I was good. My gut feeling about St. Peter's beating Purdue came true. Just saying. You didn't confidently say. You said, I have a gut feeling they I said, could. I have, I have a feeling that something's going to happen tonight. Yeah. And then, you were right. Uh, and then my gut right. was also telling me that they were going to get destroyed by North Carolina. And yeah, that they is did. what happened. I think, North Carolina, I think North Carolina's front court's the real issue for Duke here. I'm, I'm, of course, they've got Mark Williams playing really well, but Baycott for, for North Carolina, the, just the imposing nature of the North Carolina front court. I mean, th- this program um, built itself on 
offensive rebounding under Roy Williams. They continued into this year. I mean, they they're, they play with a lot of energy, more energy than a lot of front courts do. And I think offensive rebounding, even with Mark Williams, you know, forcing misses and, and Duke's front court being able to defend because they are a big team. Even if they are able to defend the rim well, I think North Carolina is going to be able to make up for some of those misses with offensive rebounds. Additionally, they are shooting the three lights out. And guess when the best time is to shoot a three? The final four. <laughs> sure after an offensive rebound though in the final four <laughs> yeah no no your your three-point opportunity is the best off of an offensive rebound it's 100 so kick it out brady manic you know you got caleb love davis back there i mean they got somebody to do to shooting the three ball well um the problem just, with manic they, is he gets in foul trouble he gets in foul trouble more times than not. It seems like in the tournament, especially, he's but gotten he still a lot has of foul. dropped like twenty-seven oh, points. He's in an a animal, lot of games. and if he, he's that's an animal. if he plays forty minutes, or if, like if he doesn't get in foul trouble, I mean, he's going to go off in this tur- in this yeah. final four because that's just been the biggest thing. Is I've seen him get in foul trouble and not be able to do. It. What game was it where it was the Baylor game where they blew their big lead because he fouled out and they blew the lead and Baylor almost came back to win. That was the big turning point. Remember that when he got fouled out. So. I, I like North Carolina. I really do. I think they have a really good chance to to beat Duke and whoever they play in the national championship game. Well, I like them against whoever's coming from the other side, but I'm going to pick Kansas to win on the other side. And what's so awesome about that is you know the history of Roy Williams being at Kansas, and now that's Bill Self's team, and Bill Self is going to lose to Roy Williams' protege, Hubert Davis. Hubert and, Davis. Uh, it, I, I think the trend continues. I mean, North Carolina's basketball program, I mean, this is the beginning, I think, of something special, and it's just kind of full circle here. And I think it's a really cool moment that's like the story of Davis here for North Carolina and his ascension through this postseason in his first year, man, completely overshadowed right now by the Coach K farewell tour. You saw how emotional he was after the exactly. game. Exactly, but like that's the first time like anything's really been legitimate credence or reckon, re, you know, recognizing what's happening here. And, I, and granted, I, they were an eight seed, and it took them a while to get to this point and to, to traverse this far into the tournament. Right. right? And now it's, it's fair to recognize it, but I'm going to tell you, man, like they're for real. Duke's good too, but I also just – I know that they've improved in the postseason, but I just I haven't been overly just – overwhelmed with with just shock and surprise at how well duke has played this year i think they're very beatable and i think north carolina is going to come into them playing loose and they duke's got a lot of pressure on them maybe some seeds of doubt from what happened in cameron indoor at the end of the regular season and for the fact that they don't want to lose to these guys again because it's k's last game if they do and maybe that's their motivation to come out and beat them like a drum but it could also completely bury them it could absolutely the, the pressure could be way too much and North Carolina, I think, definitely wants this for a national championship purpose, which I think is a little bit easier to focus on, I think, on their end and to play a little bit looser than for Duke right now that maybe has other things that could capture their attention in the moment. Um, and we've seen, I think, at times where it becomes a little bit too much of a distraction for them. So I'm, I'm taking North Carolina to win the game. I feel pretty confident in the way that they're playing right now. They're playing great. I think they make it to the championship game. And I think with the way that they're playing, if they beat Duke in the Final Four, they're, I, I just I feel so good about them beating whoever's coming from the other side. I know this is a little bit of a hot take, but people are almost willing. They, they, they are wishfully willing Duke to win the whole thing this year. And then there are others yeah, that are, are wishfully not. I really feel like North Carolina is going to win this thing. Here's what's interesting is the lines the betting lines on these games it opened up at four and a half on both games nova and kansas north carolina and duke it opened up as kansas minus four and a half duke minus four and a half it is say it stayed solid it's the exact same and we're two days away from the final four it is still kansas favored by five or they're favored by four and a half so they got to win by five and duke favored by four and a half so they got to win by five as well it's just interesting that it has stayed 
the exact same, which means betters are going both ways in Vegas, right? Betters are going both ways. The odd has not changed. Has not changed one bit. And I think that's interesting because I would take North Carolina plus four and a half. I, I would take that game to be close. Villanova, Kansas. Look, Villanova is a really good basketball team. They've had some injury problems through this tournament. Kansas th- is going to cover. I think Kansas is going to win. I think they're also going to cover. Um, and I'm going to break this down to more more tomorrow as well. And I'm going to be honest, the Duke-North Carolina game, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't know who to pick. There's so many different factors on both sides, and you just broke them all down really well, talking about you know Coach K's farewell, Hubert Davis' first year at North Carolina, the history of this rivalry, all of that stuff. But again... I mean, I think North Carolina's getting better guard play right now, too. And you talked about Duke being a beatable team. I think coming into this tournament, they absolutely were a beatable team. But I think as they've gone on through this tournament, I think they've gotten better. I think they've gotten more confident. they figured out their play style a lot better and a lot more as they've gone through. Duke is playing their best basketball right now but you know who else is North Carolina I think both of these teams are playing their absolute best basketball I think Kansas is as well Villanova I think they're going to struggle I do I think Villanova struggles against Kansas but when you look at the Duke North Carolina game both of those teams are playing their absolute best basketball right now and that's why they're in the final four to be fair though I don't think that they I only think there's one team that they caught in the tournament that was playing their best basketball who Duke yeah, I think Duke only played one team in their stretch across the tournament that was actually playing their best basketball that time, and I think that was Arkansas. Can you say that about North Carolina? Baylor wasn't playing their best basketball. They were injured as well. And North Carolina almost blew it. They dominated, and then almost blew it. All right, so North Carolina, let's look at their tournament run. Yeah, you know, let's and pull all it that they played. North Carolina played uh, Marquette, tough Big East team, maybe not playing their best basketball, but we're also talking about the difference between a two and an eight seed here, okay? I mean, like right. Duke, I don't think – if we're, we're, we're talking about North Carolina – who is an eight seed that is playing out of their weight class right now, where Duke, I think, played to their opponent up until the Arkansas game, where they did stonewall Arkansas 100%. They controlled that game from start to finish. I'll give them credit there, and that is their most recent game. But I wasn't impressed with their performance against Michigan State. They're, they were softies this year. Same as – and Texas Tech was not playing good at that – or was not playing well going into that matchup. They struggled with North uh, Notre Dame, um, obviously lost in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, to Kansas I, I just I don't know man I think Texas Tech obviously that they were offensively challenged this year you know what I mean and so I don't right I don't no, think I that they really got a team offensively that was as nasty as North Carolina can be I think that makes a big difference right I agree in North so North Carolina they started out with number nine Marquette tough team from the Big East they win that game they 95 to 63 I mean they they won they won that game big time they then they score. played they played number one Baylor, an injured Baylor team, probably not playing their best basketball. They, they got well up in the first round. Yeah, they did. They got up by twenty. I think it was like twenty-five points or something in that game, and they almost, almost let Baylor come all the way back and win that yeah. game. It was a nail biter at the end. But then North Carolina did pull away ninety-three eighty-six. Then they played number four seed UCLA. Were they playing their best basketball in this tournament? I don't think so. They struggled in the first round. Remember, UCLA struggled right out of the gate. Once again, though, we're in talking this about the, the point that I'm trying to make. Though, is that North Carolina is an eight seed, Duke is a two seed. They're in vastly different planes in terms of like their caliber, if you will. And it felt like Duke was playing down to their competition until the Arkansas game, right. whereas North Carolina well exceeded their competition and up until the St. Peter's game had to play the highest seed that was available to them in that round. Fair enough. That's fair enough. I'll give you that. But to go on to that point, I think Duke has 
once they've figured that out, they've gotten better. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have gotten better. They're definitely better than they were in the regular season. I just think they're still beatable. Very beatable. I think North Carolina could be beatable, too. Oh, definitely. I mean, they're an Their AC, offense right? could slow down. I'm and, just and, saying they're a scorching hot asteroid that's coming to burn up this farewell tour in the Final Four. I, I, I just think that they're so hot right now offensively. And maybe my North Carolina friends are listening to this right now. And they're, like, telling me to be quiet from far away out of fear of jinxing it. But I'm just telling you, I, I think the offense is playing at such a high level right now that I like UNC to come in and burn it up in the Final Four. And so your your predicted national championship game is the Kansas Jayhawks at the one seed versus the eight-seeded North Carolina the Tar Heels. The perfect ode to Roy Williams after <laughs> his first year not coaching. Yeah. And Hubert Davis in North Carolina win it. You like him to win that matchup that's, against Kansas. That's the underwritten storyline in this entire in this entire Final Four. Everybody's talked about the impact of Coach K. Let's look at this Final Four and see the footprint of Roy Williams in it and what he's done in basketball. This being his first year out of it, and now seeing the two teams that are playing in it that could play for the national championship against each other, and in my and in my predictions, will play each other. I just think that's really neat too that n- nobody's even talking about Roy Williams because Coach Williams, K is there. Yeah, and, and I think that's you know Roy Williams got did he even get a like did, he didn't really get a goodbye you know? they didn't and do I, it like they didn't but, do it like this but he but obviously but that's obviously I think how Roy Williams wanted it done because of when he retired and Kay retired the way that he retired right and to each their own I guess I'm just saying underwritten into this and a storyline that I don't think is being discussed about enough is the and it will be I guess when the when the national championship rolls around but good luck finding all that b-roll on the last minute <laughs> good luck going and finding you know all the all the shots that you need for yeah. the videos that you got to make you know and I'm wondering if that still will be a story that's told uh the first year that Roy Williams isn't here the two programs that he was at that where he built his career on where he was super successful they're playing for a national championship against each other uh, I just think that's really neat that the two coaches that have followed him at his last two locations could be playing for a national championship. I mean, that, that says a lot. I mean, that would have to be the storyline, especially if Coach K and Duke lose in the Final Four. I mean, that's the biggest storyline. You have two blue bloods, right? Kansas, in this tournament, has become the winningest team in all of college basketball history. They passed Kentucky. Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but it's a astronomical number of wins for a program. But I think that would have to be the story if Kansas and North Carolina do end up playing each other in the national championship. I think I, I feel pretty confident that Kansas beats Villanova. And again, tomorrow's show, I'm going to break it down a lot more. But Villanova having some injury problems and injury bug, that really hurts them. But I love Villanova. I love the Big East. You know that. And the storyline, if Villanova wins and North Carolina wins, it's obviously a rehashing of the most epic national championship of all time the shot (laughs) or the The, shots the shots plural yeah Yeah, those two i actually watched that that highlight of that game the other day this week and it was just um, the the double clutch in the air for him to knock that down for i think it was page is that right from north carolina but the fact that he even made that shot was unbelievable but then villanova just drew up i mean just a perfect play right they practiced that play so much the announcers knew it was coming it's going to jenkins bam and then he just not i mean buried it like a stone cold killer for the national championship confetti goes everywhere everybody's instantly going nuts. too man instantly like the shot oh, they, goes off and then it's bam boom. they knew it i mean they dude he i don't know how many times he makes that shot out of 10 in the same scenario but they said in practice he knocks it down he would knock it down consistently so i'm gonna be real like duke duke if they win 
the national championship is going to be about K. That's the storyline. Like, there's nothing special about Duke Villanova or Duke Kansas. There's nothing special there. They're just blue bloods. Major basketball team. Well, not Villanova, but Kansas and Duke. Yeah. Uh, I would say, you know, major basketball programs, right? Um, but it's about Duke winning the national championship in that scenario. If North Carolina wins, there's a there's a compelling storyline for both teams in the national championship game if they win. Exactly. And so so uh, th- it draws in a little bit more, possibly. That just goes to show and prove how important and historical this Final Four yep. is. It's unbelievable. And I talked about it on Monday's show about how historical this Final Four is, how awesome this Final Four is. This is fantastic for college basketball. I know it's the big-time schools, and you may get tired of watching these teams compete for it, but they've earned their right to be there. These are historical programs. Three of them are Blue Bloods. Villanova, I think, could get to that point in history because they are – just ascending as they go through right and this is great for college basketball these matchups there's so many storylines of you as you have so greatly broken them down there's so many storylines there's legendary coaches awesome players great fan bases it's going to be a fantastic final four down in new orleans on saturday in the national championship game on monday let's head to break we'll wrap up the thursday edition of on the line Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Thursday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we get out of here, but make sure you stay tuned. It's The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck at 4 o'clock. They'll be on from 4 to 6 right here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. If you've missed any of our show today or any of our other shows, just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. We'll upload this show immediately following us off the air. We will go and upload it at 4 o'clock as soon as we get done. So make sure you search On The Line wherever you get your podcast. It's been a good show today, my friend. We have just, we have talked about a little bit of everything today. We just got done talking about your predictions for the Final Four and the, his, the history that will be told out of this Final Four. We've had Auburn quarterback discussions of this current team. We've had most underrated Auburn quarterbacks. We've talked about NFL news. We've talked about everything today on the show. It's been a fantastic day here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. But with just a few more minutes, you've got about four minutes, my friend. Today is your final day here on the show. Noah Gardner, the creator of On the Line, you are taking a new career path. He is going to be a teacher. And I just want to say thank you for everything you've done for me, everything that you have taught me, whether it's on the show or anything else here at Auburn Network. I just want to say thank you, my friend. You have done great things for me in my life, in my early career. And thank you for creating this and trusting me to to carry it on because I will be carrying this show on once you are gone. But, man, on your final show, your final segment, the floor is yours, my friend. I appreciate it, my man. I just want to say how thankful I am for the opportunity to host this show. Um, thank you to Radio Alabama President Lee Perryman for putting me on air and believing in me when – I was coming out of college a few years ago. His confidence in me is a big reason why I was able to flourish and grow in the company. Um, I can easily say that he's an incredible boss. And, uh, I mean, just an incredible boss to work for, and and I'm grateful for his leadership. Thank you to Michael Brandon as well, the vice president at Radio Alabama, for always backing me up and being willing to learn uh, and and listen to all my ideas, no matter how out there some of them may have been uh, whenever I needed something. Michael was always there and in my corner, and I can't reiterate enough how blessed I was uh, to have him back in me. Thank you to Jeremy Law at Radio Alabama for being one of the best co-workers and friends 
that anyone could have. An absolute dog, my man. And congratulations to him winning Sportscaster of the Year at the Abbeys the other day. He's one of the hardest workers I know and one of the best play-by-play commentators in the game. Um, I'm going to miss our mini lunch trips to uh, to American Deli in Sylacauga and getting some garlic Parmesan wings and and hanging with him. And thank you to Steve Witten here at Auburn Network as well uh, for the hard work that he puts into the station and the support he's given the show these two years. Um, thank you to all the hosts that have been with me on this journey. I'm blessed to say that each and every one of you are close friends, and I uh, hope uh, each of you are fruitful in whatever you pursue. Jacob, you're going to do an excellent job, and I appreciate all the kind words that you just said, my man. I, I can't wait to watch your journey and watch you grow in this industry. Thank you to all the guests who have come on the show for taking time out of their busy day to spend it with us. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know all of you and building relationships. It's a joy of mine to have been able to do that. Uh, thank you to all the interns as well. Trevor, love you, man. Uh, thank you for all the work that y'all have put into the show. A lot of things go unthanked in this industry, and that's not right. And um, I just want to say thank you to all of them uh, for blessing me with the ability to teach them. Uh, thank you to all the callers and the listeners of the show for welcoming me into their lives every day for two hours. Um, it was always my goal to be objective and fair in whatever we were talking about. And, um, you know, I just I hope I was able to achieve that. Thank you to my wife, Mary Beth. She's always my biggest fan, and she's been with me every step of the way. To have a wife that's in your corner and backs me like my wife does gives me all the confidence in the world. I love her. And um, I want to say thank you to my dad as well for supporting me and being my best friend. Back-to-back, uh, you, know, you know, just going back to the days when we would play playstation together and ncaa 06 and dominate everybody with auburn putting on the easiest difficulty i mean uh it's his fault that i went into this industry because uh we could sit and talk about sports for hours i i love him so much and thank you to my mom as well for always being there and um being a defender and loving me with everything in her and words can't express how wonderful a mother is thank you to my father-in-law larry uh for listening to me and being one of my biggest supporters i treasured the many high school ball games we went to together and I can honestly say 100% he's the best color commentator on the planet. And then the last thing that I will say, but most importantly, and I hate that I'm running out of time here, I just want to thank my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Without him, I'm nothing. Uh, with him, all things are possible. He died for our sins, and he rose from the grave. I encourage you that if you don't know him, please seek him, um, because he, he's there waiting for you, and he loves you more than you know. Um, thank you all so much for having me here. Until next time. No, we appreciate everything you've done, man. Come back tomorrow. Stay safe. We'll talk to you later. Noah Gardner, you're officially off the line.